Hey everyone, I'm Brenda. And I'm Julia. And you're listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Your 20s are known as both the most exciting and most confusing years of your life. We're here to share our stories, to have real and raw conversations, and best of all, to make you feel a little less alone. This podcast was brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roaring 20s Podcast. Maria, I forgot to ask, can you pronounce your last name for me? Avgatidis. Avgatidis. Thank you so much. We have on with us Maria Avgatidis. She is the CEO and matchmaker at Agape Matchmaking, and she has successfully combined four generations, which is so cool, of family matchmaking tradition and modern relationship psychology and search techniques to ensure her professional clientele are introduced to their ultimate match. We are so excited to have you, Maria. Uh, we're coming off of some some big world news, which we're um, processing so if if that undertone goes on throughout the um interview it's here it's palpable so we are gonna um do what we can thank you so much for being with us maria thank you for having me (laughs) absolutely so go ahead introduce yourself tell us a little bit about who you are where you're from and if you don't mind saying how old you are since we're growing 20s and our audience is mostly 20s and we'd like to know how people got to where they are in life sure uh so my name is maria avkatitas better known as matchmaker maria um and i speaking of 20s i started my business unofficially 14 years ago this week when i was in my twenties, I was 23 and a half, 24. I officially became a business when I was 24, but, uh, right before I turned 25 actually. But, um, but yeah, the idea came out when I was 23. And I think that's such a great, the the early twenties are such a great year to like chase things that you don't know if they're going to work. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I run a gobby match, which is a matchmaking service based out of New York city. Uh, I used to live in the city, uh, and then, you know, like a cliche, the moment I had my first, I moved to New Jersey and, uh, I love it. I love living in New Jersey, but I, don't think I would love it as much if I was not married with kids. Like right. I loved living in New York when I lived in New York and, uh, which was like, you know, I lived there for 10 years. It was fantastic. But then, uh, you know, it was time to leave and I did. And, uh, but I still go, I go into work oh, all the time. To. Yeah. I'm, 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 it's funny, like pre COVID, I was in the city like three times a week and now I'm like, Ooh, I'll go once a week if I have to, but yeah. otherwise I don't, I don't really miss it. It's funny because, um, when we moved to New Jersey, we moved to New Jersey when I was like a month before giving birth to my first. Yeah. Um, this guy masturbated against my thigh in the subway when I was oh eight months God. pregnant. And I just like went to my husband. I was like, we got to move to New Jersey. I, I don't think I can, I'm done. I like, oh, it's yeah. like oh. Manhattan is a cliff, you know, you love it. And then it's like indifference. And I was just like, okay, I've tapped out. We're out of here. And, um, oh, we moved to New Jersey and I remember thinking, like, I remember telling my husband, like, you know, we'll just try it out. And if we don't like it, we'll go back you know, into the back. city. Yeah. And like within 12 minutes, I was like, fuck that. We're never, we're never going back. It's so funny because I grew up in New York and like from New York, I lived in the city after college and I just moved out to LA like six months ago. And I was back in New York last week. And I always, when I'm here, I'm like, oh, I miss New York. I miss New York. Like, do you really miss New York? I don't miss New York. And then I got got there like last week and I was like, "I, I can go back to LA now. I was like, it's okay. I, I mean, I miss, I miss New Jersey when I leave New Jersey. 
Mm. Like I'll be in Greece. I I go to Greece every summer for like six weeks. Mm. And usually by week three or four, I'm like, I'm ready to go back. Like I, I love New Jersey. Um, I think it gets a lot of unnecessary hate. I don't know why, but it's like, I think it's the best state. Uh, and, uh, you know, women have access to all their rights in the state. (laughs) We're seen as uh, equals to our male counterparts. Uh, and, uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah. So what was the question again? What do I do? (laughs) Right. That was it. That was it. Um, no, then thank you for sharing all of that. And also it's just so, it's so cool. Like Julie and I talk about all the time, like just what different seasons of our life bring. And I love the way that you painted your twenties as being a time to like be able to try things that you aren't sure if are going to work out. Cause I feel like a lot of people, our friends or people that we know will paint it as like, Oh, it's the time you're supposed to figure it all out. Um, which is just so much more pressure. (laughs) Um, so I think that's a really beautiful way to look at it and look at the way that it worked out for you. So would you tell us a little bit more about like, you're a matchmaker and what is that? What do you do? And how did you know that this is what you wanted to do? Wow. I still struggle. Is this what I want to do? (laughs) Um, so, uh, you know, back, I'm going to start now back in college. So back in college, I went to the American college of Greece, which is located in Athens, uh, at Dury college. And I was, um, the person who would host like wine and cheese parties. And I would invite my friends and, you know, the culture in Europe with alcohol is not at all similar to the United States. Like we don't have alcohol games there. We don't play with alcohol. You, you drink alcohol as part of the company, but especially in Greece, like no one, the goal is not to get drunk. The goal is to have a drink with like meat or octopus, um, enjoy yourself and, you know, maybe have a hookup. Like no one's trying to watch you throw up. And so, you know, I got to experience that in college that when I came to New York, it's like, oh, I already had, I was already like a seasoned connector from this. Mm -hmm. Um, so I immediately started hosting, um, networking parties. And the reason why is because I had come to New York city, not only because I had found a corporate job at a market research company, but also I started, uh, my graduate studies at NYU at the center of global affairs thinking I would, you attend NYU. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Go purple, go Liberty, go violet. What, what is our mascot? Violets. I don't it's a Violets. Okay. A See, that's great, how you know. The great mascot that it is. That's how you know I went to grad school. They're not undergrad. I don't even know the NYU culture at all. I'm just like, uh. but um, when I went to grad school, I was, you know, I, I enrolled thinking I would go into the foreign service, but again, like going back to those connector roots and, you know, the best thing about your twenties is like the sense of urgency that you just don't have later on in life. Where I was like, I gotta, I gotta meet new people. I, how am I gonna find a job in two years or in three years? You know, whenever I graduate, and so I started immediately hosting like wine parties and invite. I knew how to invite people because I did it in Greece. So I was like, okay, you work at the, this consulate, you need to come to this like wine party. Oh, you work, you're you're studying at you know SIPA at Columbia, you need to come to this party. You're at NYU, you need to come to this party. You're at the UN, you need to come to this party. And so every Thursday I would host like a networking wine party, and you know it would be usually about like 25 people. Uh, 50 people at the most, but like, it was always about like 20, 25 people. And it was great. Cause you got to meet not only people that were like foreign service or foreign affairs related, but like foreign relations adjacent. Like I remember meeting these people that, um, that were art dealers. They had warehouses in different countries to store art for like wealthy people. Mm-hmm. So of course they want to like network with other people in the consulate. Cause yeah. it's like, how do you get those connections? Yeah, right. right. So 
in doing so, I know there's a, there's a point to this story. This is the long story. Okay. No, I so love in, it. In, we love, love a long it. story. We love a detail. So in doing so, um, it was very quick where people were like, oh, you know, go to Maria. She knows people. And again, I'm 23. I don't really know a lot of people. I just know people that are goal oriented and as ambitious as I am. Right. So, um, who want to network. So I'm meeting other extroverts, but, uh, essentially, you know, people were like, oh, Maria knows people. And then eventually what, I, what ended up happening is where it was like, oh, introduce me to this person for this professional reason, start becoming a personal reason. And suddenly like, you know, a copy match was born. So all those networking events started, you know, 14 years ago this week. And then, yeah, like 13 years, like a year later, I would start a copy match because I needed to like, you know, put in, a, a, I got a check from Make someone. Some money, yeah. And I, I made money. I didn't know what to do with it. So I had to name my company and I was like, I don't know what to name it. And I, I didn't know anything about marketing or branding then. Right. So I was like, I remember spending a weekend um, trying to figure out what to name my company. And I came up with a copy match, which at the time people were not as highbrow as they are now. Like I remember people thinking like, oh, you're just a Greek matchmaker because it's called a copy. And that may have been the case in the beginning where I thought like, oh, I could be a niche matchmaker. No. Um, what, or like some people, I remember one of my colleagues, she would say to me, like, you should not name it a gobby because people pronounce it a gape. And I'm like, who cares if they pronounce it a gape? I don't, as long as they right. reach out to me and pay me, I don't, as long they as can miss talking about me. <laughs> I'm so used to people mispronouncing my last name my whole life. Like, well, you think this is going to hurt my feelings? Like, it's fine. <laughs> but yeah. you know what? Suddenly like agape started to join, like, kind of, I, I feel like after 2012, 2013, like a few years in suddenly Agape became kind of went into what's the, like the ether, like, mm -hmm. you know, um, Agape mission in California, which I am not associated with, or, um, just the idea of Agape, like, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. has written essays about the word Agape, uh, life, insurance made a whole commercial about the word agape yeah, uh three years ago like the lexicon of yeah it came into lexicon and i was like oh yeah i've i've i have a company named agape Bench since 2009 and um and uh you know here we are today so that's the long story the mm -hmm. short story is is that i'm a fourth generation matchmaker so yes, my grandmother what that is about that's amazing yeah, my grandmother, her mother, her grandmother, they're all matchmakers. And what that means in their world is that they were, you know, the best at making coffee and keeping all the secrets of a village just so that when someone would come, they'd be like, who should I marry my son often? It's like, oh, you know, her. And uh, very different from what I do. <laughs> but I think um, that that's like the kind of movie version of it, yeah. which most people I think still associate when they hear that word they're like oh like is that what people think you I think, don't, I think when I hear that word the first thing because like I'm from I'm, I'm Jewish and I'm from like a big Jewish community and there's right that's so you, like, you think like fiddler on the roof yeah right exactly so I think like the grandmother who's like talking to everyone fiddler on the roof style yeah like, that's kind that's of my grandmother, grandmother. Like, that's literally mentally. yeah my grandmother made the best Greek coffee and you know she got paid in goat I guess or like a year's worth of eggs. I don't know. I get paid in cash. Uh, <laughs> um, maybe, maybe they were giving her some drachma. I don't know, but uh, uh, it was, you know, very different than what I do. And then at no point, it's like funny, there were cues and clues that this could be my future, but at no point did I ever think, oh yeah, this is the profession I want to be in, especially as I racked on like college loan yeah. debt, student loan debt um, to like finish my degree at NYU. I remember um, 
my my first memories uh, are of me in kindergarten setting up these two kids in my class, right? You know, one was at one tree, the other one was another tree. And I would run from tree to tree to say, you know, hey, I'm going to just change their names to like Jack and Jane. So I'd be like, hey, um, Jane, Jack really likes you. And she'd be like, oh, he, I like him too. And then I go back, we're, th- we're talking about like five-year-olds. Yeah. And this is what I was doing. I just want you to know that Jack and Jane dated and they broke up at prom. Oh my yeah. God. You- set them up yeah I set them up for like 13 years wow (laughs) so um but like that was like a clue and at no point did I ever think like oh you're just mimicking what you've heard from your grandparents or whatever you're at no point or like even like when I worked in that market research company the the girl that was my cubicle my cubicle mate right Mm -hmm. and our tech guy who I sat closest to um, at no point did I think oh yeah because we're going out on the we're going out for drinks and they're gonna hang out like you know, like I'm kind of welding these people together, you know, at no point was I thinking like, oh, I'm a matchmaker. I just thought, oh yeah, I, this is happening. Of course it's happening. And then, um, I remember being in grad school. Now this was like a year into those, you know, networking events that I was hosting. And I remember being in grad school thinking like, am I a matchmaker? Like I remember being in class (laughs) and I remember turning to the kid next to me who I had become really close with. And I'm like, I think I'm a matchmaker. And like, Oh I remember doing a Twitter and like, I just all that whole, like whatever you wow. did back then yeah. um, to make yourself, I had a website. Um, mm-hmm. I still have a web, obviously like I had a website, yeah. but like, it was just so funny how things came into fruition and to go back to like being in your early twenties, there was this sense of urgency and, you know, thinking that you're different and you know, your, your values, you don't know how old are you ladies? 26. 26. Okay. So it's usually studies have shown like science studies by the NIH have shown that people are able to articulate their values between the ages of like 27 and 29. So let's just say 28. Right. Mm -hmm. And I find this to be is similar in business too. Like I didn't know as a business owner, so young, how to value myself, like what I was worth until I turned 28 and then all of a sudden it's like I remember even my 28th birthday like suddenly I was I was able to use the right words that day and I couldn't believe what I had written like I had written this little manifesto of my life like what I want and I was like where are these words coming from I remember rereading it like a thousand times that day and and even how that like how that spilled over into my business life how I'm going to express what I, what I'm valued and what I'm worth to my potential clients. And then even my matches now, you know, we're talking about 10 years ago now, but there's definitely a difference at certain age. Like you, you have the sense of urgency in your early twenties and mid twenties. And then suddenly I do feel like a light kind of flicks open for not for everyone, but for a lot of people at that age. Yeah. And I say this by the NIH and science is because if you get married, I think after the age of 27, the divorce rate plummets. Yeah. And that is because you at that age are able to articulate what your values are, as I said before, helping you filter who the right partner is for you yes. in creating a life together. Amazing. And I feel like both Brenda and I are starting to feel that coming mm-hmm. in a way. I mean, I know Brenda and I do a lot of introspective work because of this podcast, because of uh-huh. people we get to speak to. Like, we're very yeah. lucky that we're kind of like forced to to ask ourselves these questions about what are our real values? What do we really stand for? Like all of that stuff. But I definitely feel that coming in a way of like, oh, I think I'm doing the work now that I will be able to better 
articulate that stuff and know that stuff and really understand that stuff for myself, like coming up soon. And I know scientifically our brain does change around that age, but also just being introspective about it and feeling like, oh, that's something that I think is coming up for me. And it's like very exciting versus our our earlier 20s, like even like like a year or two ago of like not being able to, you know, navigate that sense of self. Yeah, I think we put up with a lot more confusion and anxiety in our 20s than you'll ever before. Like, that's like the one thing I'm so happy to not experience anymore. Like, I remember being um, 25 and 26 and living in a constant state of anxiety and panic. And a lot of that was not from work, but from from the men that I was dating. Um, and not necessarily they were bad men. It wasn't that it was just like, I was not being treated the way I wanted to be treated, but I was also not able to give myself permission to not have to feel that way anymore. Yeah. And that, yeah, that, that yeah. was really, that, that took me like years to figure out, like I, we broke up. Like I remember thinking of someone in particular and I remember breaking up and it took me years to like, understand like what had happened and how much I did not control that situation. Mm, Yeah. We, and we talk about that a lot. We talk a lot about just like self-worth and authenticity and really making the choice to align with your values. Obviously it's hard in a world where there are so many different opinions and where sometimes no matter how strong your opinion is, it feels like it's not heard or it doesn't matter. Um, and, and all those things. So it's hard. Um, but I think that one of the things that Julie and I have talked about more, leading up to the later half of our 20s is like, how can we still show up despite all of the noise? How can we still show up as authentically and real and vulnerable as we can be, not only for ourselves and to attract the people that we want in our lives, but also for other people? Because I think that well, I know that's been a real big reason behind why we do this show is there are so many people in their 20s in that sense of urgency. Of course, we still feel urgency, but, um, you know, putting on a, a facade of sorts to try and fit in or to fit a certain mold or to have a career that they thought they were supposed to have or to be with a specific type of person um, with a certain life they thought that they should be with. And it's like we're uncovering so much more about ourselves and the more authentically that we do show up, but it's not easy. Everybody knows that Brenna and I are super big on habits and having and maintaining habits that help us live our best lives. And sometimes we need a little help tracking those habits so that we can make sure we're staying on top of things in order to reach our goals, whatever our goals may be. And that's why today we're talking about Noom. Noom is a great tool to help you track your habits in order to reach your health and wellness goals, whatever they may be, if you have them, which if you don't, all good. But if you have a health or wellness goal, Noom is a great tool to help you out. Noom uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on their platform to help millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. And again, this is so personal. And Noom understands that everybody's goals are unique and what works for someone else might not work for you. That's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible. It focuses on on progress and not perfection, which we love, allowing you to work towards your goals at a pace that is comfortable and right for you, whatever those goals may be. 
So start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at noom.com slash believe. Again, that's noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. So I do think that love is a really, really big topic. And in our twenties, I think there's a lot of stigma around not being in a relationship, maybe not stigma. There's a lot of judgment towards oneself. Um, if you're not in a relationship around this time, there's a lot of fear of being alone or ending up alone. Um, and a lot of our audience members definitely have questions. So what would you say are like the first three things that you would look for in people to kind of help them decide compatibility? So, you know, I've set up over 4,500 first dates at this point. And um, when I look at, you know, which couples make it, which couples go forward, like there's a few things that um, in this compatibility matrix that we have that make it apparent, like, okay, yeah, this is lined up. And I think for a lot of people, um, sometimes they feel like their picker is broken. Mm. And there are ways to fix that. That's actually one of the programs that we have where we help people fix their pickers called the Agape Intensive. Um, But we also, we have to acknowledge that we have a lot of different generations at play here dating at the same time. So in your particular generation, and let's just call your generation just Gen Z. I I don't believe there's any millennials under the age of 32. I I know what millennials are defined as. I just don't believe that. Mm. Um, And that is because or maybe under 30. And that is because your particular generation does not know analog dating. You didn't, that was not the primary way to meet someone, right? Like I remember being 23 and the only way for me to meet someone was to go out. Mm-hmm. Um, like you weren't, you know, I guess you could have met strangers on MySpace in Facebook, but that was like so taboo. Right. And it was like such a one-off, like a, like an escape romance. It was not like, oh yeah, this is my boyfriend sort of thing, right? right so right. there was this concept of, and even if it was, right? Like even if you did meet someone through MySpace or Facebook back then, um, you met out in public and you there was just such a, it was just very different than what it is now. Like online dating, it existed, but it was like periphery. It was very, like not a lot of people were on it. Um, I remember also, I, I mentioned this for a reason because like, I remember even like when you went to a bar, like I remember being 26 years old in Manhattan and being at a bar on stone street, right? Like downtown. And if one of my girlfriends went to the bathroom, I could guarantee that a guy would come up and talk to me in those two minutes and buy me a drink. Mm-hmm. And I loved it when my friends went to the bathroom. It's like, goodbye, you know? And, um, what I loved about that was that, you know, because then I, I, I actually had a, I didn't even have an iPhone. I had a black, well, I guess I had an iPhone. I was 26, but, um, you know, there weren't as many apps as there are now. There's like Foursquare and you Twitter. Like escape into your yeah. weekend. No, I mean, I don't think, I don't think people, some people realize like how limiting the app store was. Like I have screenshots of my iPhone from back then. I had like maybe three downloaded apps. It was very, um, yeah, it's very limiting. Mm-hmm. And um, I, there was no concept. There was no Instagram. So you weren't thumbing away things. Right. Yeah. And uh, I wrote, you know, cause Instagram was created 
when I was like 28, I think. So um, I remember, and even then it was just a take photos of your food app. It was not what it is today, right? Right. So I mentioned all this analog because I learned how to date like that. And then there's this new generation that online dating has always been the primary way to meet someone. Like people join Tinder when they're 16, 18, like they could be lying about their age, but they're joining very young on certain dating apps, Hinge, Bumble, all these things exist for 18 year olds. And so suddenly, you know, where there was like this social discovery operation happening where you can meet people out and about or at events, like you had to like make effort. You don't necessarily have to do that now to find a boyfriend. You could just be on the couch. And what people are experiencing is dating fatigue, loss of picker where they think that they're picky. And then there's not an understanding of like what compatibility is, right? So compatibility rests on five pillars in no particular order. It's financial, emotional, intellectual, spiritual, and physical. And it's really hard to determine these things when you are literally just swiping away soulmates. And I'm not saying that you should hire a matchmaker. Matchmaking is not for everyone. Uh, I'm not, and I'm not picking on online dating. I think online dating is a fantastic tool to meet people. But I think for as many hours you're online dating, you have to spend that many hours out and about as well. So if you're telling me you're online dating for 11 hours a week, which is what I think most people are doing, um, that I'm not saying you spend 11 hours out and about, but maybe you know you make your online dating a two hour, a three hour thing a week. And then you invest three hours in out and about. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's ways to do this, that like kind of reverse engineering your search, but to go back to compatibility, you know, you're looking for things that essentially, you know, I think ultimately the goal in dating is like, do you not feel, do you feel acknowledged and not confused? Okay. Keep dating. Do you Mm -hmm. feel curious about this person? Okay. Keep dating. Are you enjoying yourself on dates? Okay. Keep dating. Um, And I think if there is no sense of acknowledgement, like you're not being acknowledged in a relationship, you have to communicate what you need to feel acknowledged Mm. and what you need to feel not confused. And if you don't feel comfortable communicating this to people, either learn how to communicate it or let them go, right? Because you should have a sense of space to be vulnerable to express your needs. So I think for a lot of people in Gen Z, dating is really foreign. I think I mean, studies have shown as of like very recently that um, this generation is more situationship centered, hanging out centered. So nothing is really being defined. And that is really frustrating. And I'm not saying that that didn't exist when I was in my 20s. What I'm saying is that if I really wanted to be in a relationship in my 20s, it wasn't that hard. Mm. Right. And I think now it's a lot harder to like get out of situationship, uh, centric thinking. Oh, it's so interesting. I mean, Brenda and I are both in long-term relationships. So we always have people come on to talk to us about like dating who are single and who are doing the dating app thing, because we don't want to speak to what we don't know, but we have so many friends that are, you know, dating through dating apps. Cause that's what most people do. I don't think I know anybody who's single, who's not on a dating app or like listen to not it like you know right to not online date in 2022 is like not having an email right so it it is it is a good tool for a lot of people it also just doesn't work for a lot of people yeah well I think like you said before those there's those compatibility pillars and I'm so glad that you listed them out because I think people sometimes don't even really know what to look for in terms of what are these things that I should be 
you know, seeking out from someone if they're looking for a long-term relationship. Do you, with your clients, and do you suggest for people who are maybe dating on an app or just dating out in the world, do you suggest some sort of, like, checklist like take your time and like figure out those pillars yeah I well so I host a I host a couple of informational seminars let's call them right so one is agape intensive which um is hosted twice a month you know you pick a group it's three days nine hours it's pretty intense it's a boot camp and um there we go over chemistry compatibility we do all of that stuff we do attachment theory crash course we do reverse engineering your search for the person um you know that that is 595 dollars. so it's a little it's a little expensive i think for people in their 20s um but i also now host a fix your picker where we talk about just the five pillars of compatibility so so there is this session that's just let's figure out your five pillars and help you articulate what you know what you should be searching for. Mm-hmm. And that is $120. And mm-hmm. I'm actually hosting Very one at reasonable. the end. At, and I don't know if it. I don't know when this episode comes out, but the next one it's funny. I got thir- this is coming out Thursday. So we can oh so excellent. We'll put a link there. But sure. um absolutely. But the next one is on, oh, it's on May 24th at 9 p.m. Oh, Eastern. Oh, amazing. We're absolutely going to put the links to that. Yeah, I'll give you a link for that. It's going to be great. Um, but that's yeah. that's exactly what that's for. It's uh, that specific session is to learning about the five pillars. And Whoa. I give anecdotes. I give a matrix. I give vocabulary. I give just a ton of examples of understanding, like, here is the order that you understand this compatibility. Here are the questions you should be asking on first dates. Mm-hmm. Um, and here is how to like, here's your, essentially, here's your manifest, right? Like, yeah. here's who you're looking for and who I want you to attract. And this is so personal to you, right? Everyone is different. Yes. So what's right for Julie is not going to be what's right for Brenda, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it kind of reminds me a little bit of like, when I met my husband, right. I happened to do the five pillar exercise on myself. Cause I felt ready. Like I was like, you know what? I'm ready to meet my guy. Yeah. And I, I did that exercise on myself and I had my little manifest. I had my little map of like, here's what I'm looking for. And when I met my husband, I happened to meet him with like eight of his friends. And, um, it's like, because I had like imprinted that in my brain, it was so easy for me to recognize that, oh yeah, this is my person. And yeah. I didn't know it on like the moment I met him, right? Like I knew like, okay, so far, so good. We're, like the things that I know, this right. is green check mark. Yep. Yeah. And then as I got to know him more throughout that week, I was like, oh shit, this is, this is the guy I wrote down. Like, this is it. This is, yeah. this is the guy. And, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with his friends. I'm, I, you know, these people are very close to us, but, um, they're not my person. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's also good. And I, I think that having, you know, a list and having clarity on that, I think so many people in their twenties would deeply benefit from it because of course, like we can idealize a certain type of relationship or we can have this idea, I don't know, based on what we see in social media or the movies or the media in general or someone else's relationship that we want something in one way when in reality, it might not be the case. So you talked a lot about, you know, spiritual, um, emotional, all that stuff, but what about in terms of like physical attraction? Like, how do you feel, how does that play a role, um, in the matchmaking process? So, uh, that's a great question. Um, so in terms of like physical looks, uh, the genders are really different in the heteronormative matchmaking world. So, um, I've set up, as I mentioned before, I've set up like a shit ton of first dates. And (laughs) one thing that I've learned is this, is that like 99% of men, let's say 95% of men, 
no, I'm right. 99% of men. (laughs) If they're not attracted to the woman within the first minute of meeting her, it does not matter how great that date goes. Mm. Um, There's just never going to be a second date. And, and I say this because, and I, and I, I don't want to discourage anyone here because every guy thinks some, every guy has such wildly different definitions of what they find attractive. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. But, and it's like, that's why it's so important to like meet in person. Right. Because what a man is attracted to two dimensionally, like through a photo might not translate you know, in a four dimensional yes. world. Yes. So when you meet someone, right. So, uh, so here, you know, you have this, uh, it's why I tell women, like, don't text too long. Like, don't even, you know, like just, if you're, if you think they're interesting, just immediately offer FaceTime or immediately offer meeting in person mm-hmm. because talking forever, is just setting up expectations. You know, you just need to go out and learn if you like each other. Um, anyway, so with men, just, within the first minute they know and they're not going to articulate it but it does just it just doesn't matter how great the date goes they're if they're not attracted there's never going to be a second date and with women it is uh now for 95 percent of women um he could be a four out of ten he could be a 10 out of 10 right so if he's a four out of ten from the moment that she meets him like looks wise and i know i'm being really I'm really objectifying men here, but no, whatever. Let's say he's, well, let's say he's not as good looking or he doesn't look like, and you know, so what, what people find good looking is so relative so to like who they've dated in the past. Yes. Um, so let's say, you know, they're four out of 10, but if he makes her laugh, if he asks her questions, if he is present on the date, if he sits next to her instead of across from her on the date, if he's not rude to her, that four out of 10 turns into a 10 out of 10, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a, a woman might think a guy's a 10 out of 10 in the first meeting, but if she doesn't feel safe with him, mm-hmm. um, if she doesn't feel acknowledged, if she feels anxiety in the date, that turns into a four very quickly. And so with women, looks do not matter as much as sometimes we think it does. Um, like it matters, but it does not matter as much as it matters to men. Like a woman will give a women give men so much grace on dates because women are also interested in the connection first versus the looks. And I'm not saying men are not interested in the connection. Of course they are, but they're going to be more interested in the connection on the second date. Interesting. Like, is this right for me? Yeah, right. Um, versus how women think about it on the first date. Oh, it's so interesting. I was just having a conversation with my friend. I was like, we're too nice to men. Like we get, let them get away. We are, we but much stuff. But you know, we're also not like, I don't, I don't think when I say grace, I mean like to looks like, I don't think it's like funny. Like a woman might say to me in my office, like, I don't want to meet a guy who's bald, but I'm willing to bet that if she was at a friend's wedding and um, she was standing at the open bar and one of her friend's uh, husband's new husband's frat brother was there and he's got a bald head and he's, you know, making her feel safe and making jokes and asking her to dance. Like if she has a good time and if she feels safe and she, she feels curious about him, that's like actually a pretty critical, like I need to feel curious about you. Um, yeah, she'll be into him. I don't, I think women give men way more grace and looks than men do to women. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm curious to take it back a little bit. It's kind of what we were talking about before with like the, the checklist and the initial meeting once, and this is going to be hard to phrase. I'm like kind of coming up with it as we're talking. Cause I feel like I've seen 
some of our friends, when it goes to giving grace to people, like they'll, you know, they check, maybe they check the initial boxes of the pillars and maybe they are attracted to them enough because of all of the things that we just talked about. But how do you see your couples determine and how do you kind of determine like, like the chemistry beyond just the, just the checklist? Like, I feel like they're, even though, like we were talking about how dating in our generation, in our age right now is like so, it's such a different beast. Um, I do feel a lot of our friends feeling like, even though there's so many people out there and there's so many ways to meet people, feeling really kind of desperate to meet someone and and perhaps not just because they check the checklist, being like, okay, I found someone versus like they check the checklist and there's like really amazing chemistry and they really interest me and they really push me or like whatever those things that we maybe want beyond. How I don't, do so you're thinking that? initial checklist and I don't, when I say like compatibility matrix, that's not an initial checklist at all. Like, you know, emotional and financial compatibility that takes a couple months to mm-hmm. figure out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it could be quicker. Emotional compatibility could be quicker to figure out if you don't have sex too soon, Mm -hmm. because like the oxytocin that just is released during, um, sex can just really blind us from pink flags and red flags. But, um, you know, learning if you're compatible with someone lifestyle wise, it's just not an initial, there's no, I don't believe in a checklist. I don't think that exists. Right. So and also the word, well, it's really important that we use the right words here. Cause like, even you said chemistry, right. And I don't, I don't know how much I believe in the spark, the spark for most people is anxiety. And usually what people, when they, people say, I felt chemistry, um, what they really feel usually is like that this person looks relatively the same to people that I'm familiar with. Um, so therefore I feel comfortable. Uh, I'm sure there are plenty of listeners who have felt initial chemistry, like, wow, this is the best first date of my life. We spent eight hours, we closed down the bar only to never speak to that person again. And that can be really frustrating. It, it hurts people's feelings. And, you know, to anyone listening, if you're wondering if you go on a second date, and I know, like I just said that a lot of men won't go on a second date if they feel attraction and that does happen. But what I will say is if you're on the fence, you just have to ask yourself two questions. And those two questions are, did I have a good time? Am I curious about them? And if you answer yes to both, then you should absolutely go on a second date and the second date, should I go on a third? Okay. Are you, did you enjoy yourself? Are you curious about them? If the answer is yes to both, then you go on a third date. Now, if you do not feel curious, if you don't feel a, you know, I guess the word is spark. If you don't feel like some sexual tension, something after a third date where you're like, yeah, I really want to kiss this person, or I'd like to learn more about them. Give yourself permission to let it go. Um, Mm -hmm. We have to like, let go. I think, I think sometimes we think like, oh, we'll just keep giving people chances. Mm -hmm. Uh, But nothing is, you know, I think after, I think if you give someone three dates, I think that's enough to learn like, okay, is this a person that I want to be with? I have learned in my office that if I set someone up and they get to the fourth date, that's usually who they end up marrying. Um, And that actually happened recently to one of my clients this week. So that's very exciting for us. Um, And I think that's because I think a fourth date through matchmaking world is like a fifth date for regular people, because I go on dates with my my clients, essentially, like, you know, I, I vet people, right. So 
I am able to disclose information that you would never learn on a first date, which is like, oh yeah, this person would like to get married in the next three years. And oh yeah, this person has had a divorce. Here's what happened. They're like, you know, you kind of give people a little more context that you would never have online or if you met them in person. It's like being set up through a friend a little bit, but yeah. No, that's, that's super And thank you for clarifying that because it it is so important. And I think we just, a lot of us don't even know the right vocabulary to use when it comes. No. And, and I think that's another thing is like so many people, they hear from their friends, oh, you're so picky. And I don't, I don't, I have met picky people, but usually some people that that I think are picky, some people are picky period, full stop. Right. But other people are just able to articulate certain standards. And I don't think I don't think they recognize that sometimes when you articulate certain standards, it comes off as a negative, right? So for instance, if you're the kind of person who says, you know, um, I want to date someone who would never lie to me. Well, we all know what lying looks like. So when someone hears that, they are not, they don't hear, I want someone who has high integrity, which is essentially what you're asking for. They're thinking, and just like you're thinking, the universe is thinking, I don't want someone who lies. So we know how to identify liars, lots of liars. Well, okay, if everyone lies, you're never going to find someone, you're picky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what I think, what I think five pillars, like that session does really well, is it teaches people how much negative words we use to yeah. find someone when actually, when you use that sort of negative mindset, it actually does the reversing. It actually attracts people like that, right? Because like, you know, to go back to, you know, not a cheater, right? For you to even recognize that that's not a cheater, you always have to be mindful of what a cheater's like. Right. Yeah, it's kind of like, I say this in my agape intensive, right? Like if someone lost their keys, the natural thing to do is to find them, mm-hmm. right? So this is why you don't say I lost weight. You say I reduced my weight because if you lose weight, you'll find weight. Mm. So it's like the, you know, you have to kind of fix a bit the dating mindset. And I think, I think it's reasonable if you were to say to your friends, I'm looking for someone who has high integrity and is present in a relationship. If someone were to call you picky over that, well, that person's just insane. Like that's such a, that's such a reasonable thing to ask from someone. Oh, it's so true. For sure. It is so true. And I feel like people can get so hard on themselves and start to believe that like they're the problem. Yeah. Um, and most people are not. Yeah, exactly. Like not at all. And it's so funny because I feel like the more, like we've had so many conversations with friends where we're like, oh, that's not too much to ask. Like for someone that supports you and like values your dreams, like that's not too much to ask at all. Um, but it's funny how I think we're really conditioned to be like, oh, well, you know, that that's me being too much. Like a lot of this too muchness type of vocabulary. But anyway, for someone who has maybe um, been on a dating journey and is in their 20s trying to figure it all out and is frustrated, what would you say to them if they're feeling hopeless or feeling like they're not going to find their person? It's okay to scream into a pillow when you feel lonely. Mm. Um, And the best thing you can do right now is invest in your social life. Um, I think one of the best ways to meet someone is through friends and we can all make new friends. Um, and the best way to do that is to block out your calendar two days a week for the next three months, like do it, block it out Tuesday and Thursday for the next three months. If you are an introvert, make it once a month, but you have to find something that gets you out of the house in front of people once or twice a week. And if you don't know what to do, go to Eventbrite, filter all the events on a Tuesday or on a Thursday, go to meetup, filter all of the events happening on Tuesdays, Thursdays, Wednesdays, whatever day you pick. 
join a cooking class, go to the public library lectures, go to the Strand Independent Library Store uh, lectures, uh, go to tech events, go to pitch night events where you know people pitch VCs. Um, go to, I'm not asking you to go to singles events. I'm not asking you to go to a speed eating event. I'm asking you to go make new friends. And an easy way to do that is when you go to an event, all you have to remember is that everyone there is hoping you come and talk to them. So all you have to do is just talk to two people. That's it. And once you talk to two people, you're like, okay, if I'm not having a good time, I can leave or I can stay and talk to one more person. But essentially you make, you need to make new friends and you could still scream into a pillow, but I'm telling you, you'll scream less into a pillow if you start building out your social network, because if you do that, the chance of you meeting someone through a friend exponentially increases. Mm, yep. Yeah, no, that's so true. And it, it's crazy because I feel like we're so like collectively just like so afraid to go out into the world and granted, like the world has been a little bit different over the past two years in general, right. For different reasons. But I think that there's just like this fear that that's not the norm anymore. Well, it's not the norm, I guess, but um, that that in itself um, puts up this like roadblock of sorts for people to not. I guess, walk. but, but yeah. people are, you know, it's funny, like you say that, but like, I think people are so motivated right now to be outside the house. Like I see it yeah. and right. it's like, just do it. Just, yeah. just do it. What's the, what's the problem here? Right. Um, like I host a, a Gopi and I also host a Gopi intensive, like in real life. Oh, which cool. is, um, that's going to, the next one's going to be in, um, in Tulum in Mexico. Wow. And, uh, that's in November. And it's like, yeah, it's going to attract like 30 women who want to make friends with other women, uh, and also do fun things. You know, uh, there's, there's a lot of different ways to make friends and it doesn't, you know, some of it's going to be in real life and some of it might be virtual. Like maybe you meet through a virtual class, but then you meet up after for drinks or for a meal and you make a yep. friend and you keep doing things. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so amazing. And it circles all the way back to what you said at the beginning of the show, like getting people together in a room. It's just, yeah. and it maybe it's not you're meeting that person, that's your boyfriend, but that person might know someone and that person or that person might know someone. And it's just such a, it's such a beautiful thing to be able to bring people together in that capacity that you do and you make it so easy is the wrong word, but you make it feel so like nice to do to just get together with people and yeah and um I think and I don't want to shame JDS but I think that they have given people a little anxiety and just social media and like hiding behind our phones in general like a lot of we're not shaming and that's the truth like every study shows that um social media and online dating sites in that world as well because they're part of the entertainment and apps world like they do provide a sense of social anxiety to people and it goes back to the sense of urgency. Like, oh, well, she's got a boyfriend. So I need a boyfriend. It's like, right. you know yeah. what their relationship looks like. Like I recently found out about a couple that I admired that like, they're, they're cheating on each other. And I'm like, well, and actually he's cheating on her, but she doesn't want it. And I'm like, well, yep. you, you know, their know. relationship looks picture perfect on Instagram, yep. but yeah. other things are happening behind closed doors. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Maria, I, I wish we could keep you all night because I have so many questions. I think what you do is so interesting and I've already learned so much from you in just these 45 minutes, but um, we have just two last questions for you. Um, we asked this one to all of our guests. If you, this doesn't have to be about dating or relationships, but it could be. Um, if you could tell your 20s year old self one thing, what would you, what would you tell her? Not everything has to happen right now. 
Mm. Um, I think we're sold this idea, especially if you're a business owner, like now you need a book and now you need a TV show. Now you need to be on this. And it's like, life is a lot better to reverse engineer. Like, what do you want out of life? And then think about those milestones over five, 10, 15 years. Personally, I like to use the goalposts of Olympics because mm. if I say five-year goals, uh, the the, the goalposts change every year, right? Because every five years, there's another year added, right? So instead I say, you know, I've been doing this since, I've been doing this since I was 19 actually, but um, I always think of things of like milestones I'd like to complete by the next summer Olympics. Yeah. So I think about LA and Paris now, like by the time LA happens, I want to accomplish these things. By the time Paris Olympics happens, I want to accomplish these things. And that gives me, um, it, it lowers my sense of urgency and just lets me focus on like, what are the, what's my present situation. And it also lets me come to terms with like the obstacles I have in my present situation too. You know, I have young kids, I care for my sick mom. Like I can't do everything today, but I wish I could tell my 25 year old that because uh, I use, I think my 25 year old self was just hyper with mm -hmm. urgency, like everything has to happen right now. And it's, it's like, no, you don't know anything. It doesn't, yeah. you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> and, um, and uh, it, it's funny. I still thought in that way, like, oh, here are my goalposts. Cause I did the Olympics thing all the time, but I wish I could just tell her like, yeah, you know, things will happen in the way they're supposed to happen, but mm -hmm. you know, not everything has to happen at this moment. Yeah. yeah, no, that's incredibly helpful for both of us as we well. We need to so. hear it all the time. <laughs> um, and our last question is where can people find you? So whether they want to see some of your work, they want to see some of your clips or whether they want to actually work with you. So the best way to find me is to go to Instagram at Matchmaker Maria. There's a link in my bio that will take you everywhere you need to go. So if you want to enroll in a Agape Intensive, there's a link there for that. If you want me to review your, your online dating profile on TikTok, there's a link for that too. If you want to work with us and do a dating strategy session with a member of my team, there's a link for that as well. Um, if you want to join me in Tulum, there's a link for that as well. Uh, and also, of course, if you, like I mentioned before, if you want to join me on, what was it? May 24th at 9 p.m. Eastern on the five pillars, um, I will make sure to send the ladies the link to, to have in the episode notes uh, so people can join. Um, but yeah, I think, I, think, I think Instagram is the best place to find me at Matchmaker Maria. Alternatively, you can always go to my website at agapimatch.com. Amazing. We will put all of that in the show notes. Everyone can find you. And I think everybody should do that five pillars thing. Like that just yeah. sounds, it's gonna be just great. sounds amazing. And uh, you don't have to be single to do it. Like, I think it's just good to know like yeah. what your, um, what your, you know, what standards do you have? What are, what's important to you? So you can communicate this to your partner as well. Like, mm -hmm. Hey, this is what I need from you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, I love it. Maria, thank you so, so thank much you. for your time and all of your amazing resources that you have to offer. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me, ladies. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Be sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and please subscribe. You're never alone. Our pride sticks together. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Roaring Twenties Podcast. You get to start your week with us and end your week with us. With, with love, Brenda and Julia.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.